0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Physio Minds. I'm your host, Alex, and this is our co-host. Theo, what's up, guys? Nice to see you guys again. And today, we're going to be talking about post-graduation next steps. So let's say you've been in the workforce for maybe a few months now, you know, starting to get into the swing of things, full caseload. And, you know, you're doing going through your routine, treating your patients, and you maybe you come to a mental block, you're like, you know, I don't know what else I can do treatment wise for a patient, or maybe you start thinking of different ways that you can do interventions in order to get better. So today, what we're going to talk about is, you know, what do you do next? And what are your thoughts on what do you want to do afterwards? Theo and I have talked extensively of what we want to do next. And we're just going to share a little bit of information about both of us and what we're thinking and what we want to do in the future. Uh, Thea why don't you go ahead and tell us what you're what you've been doing in your next plans
1: right so as I mentioned I work in outpatient general facilities so I see a, a little bit of everything which I love and you know I love my neuro patients I love my ortho patients um, you know all, all that um, but for me my real passion is orthopedics you know I've known that for a long time um, and even during PT school I remember you know getting taught by some some people that were like fantastic therapists uh, and they had a fellowship in orthopedic manual physical therapy so for me that's always been like okay like i want to be like them like i want to treat at that high level um <clears throat> so that's always been my goal and like uh so i've been always working towards that now that i've graduated past my boards i've been working um i've started to work on the first step of my plan, which is my manual therapy certification, uh, which I'm almost done with. I have one more course to take, and then I sit for the exam, which is pretty extensive: six oral practicals, six oral, and then uh, skills practicals, and then a written exam. Um, so again, pretty comprehensive. It's like a three-weekend, three-three-day thing on a weekend. Um, and then after that, you know, I plan on, you know, starting um, my fellowship in orthopedic manual physical therapy, because I think it's important um, to one, treat, you know, tr- use the stuff that you learn during the, the classes, you know, that you learn in school to, you know, those interventions, but those are very entry level interventions. Like we talked about last time, there's some, and some interventions are better than others. Um, and not even that, just knowing different ways to do the same thing right in different positions like maybe you learn something for a patient that's in you know that you learned that skill in on the patient's lying down in, on their stomach but you know they can't tolerate that position so how are you going to do that now so being able to do uh, the same intervention get the same result in sitting for example um and i think it's important you know to be like uh, flexible in in your in your treatment approaches um so you know continuing to strive um, for that and constant improvement. So for me, that's the route I, I'm choosing to take um, at the moment. And then after I finish my fellowship, you know, who knows, maybe open up my own practice.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, the good thing is you're, you know, you know what you want, you're going for it. You know, you're taking your time, looking into what you think is the best steps for you and, and how you can get there. The biggest thing I can say um, is like have a mentor and I think both of us talk to a similar mentor to you know guide us of what we think what we want in the future and they're going to give us that information and they're going to be um, true to us about it which is really good I know for me and, and the company that I'm working for that um, they have like these balance uh, levels is what they call it so balance one two and three so like different types of balance exercises uh, very vertigo and vestibular heavy. I know I've completed balance one course. I've completed a couple orthopedic courses from um, when I was at this company during my clinical, um, during my clinical, and I've completed like a multi-regional core, core course. And then I've completed like a lumbo pelvic stability course, um, a cervical thoracic course. So kind of just different things and Uh, and in terms of like orthopedic wise and some things I'm looking forward to in the next one to five years is dry needling um, manual therapy course and possibly a fellowship. It just depends on where I am and how I think I'm getting treating my patients. And if it's, you know, if it's working, if it's working for them, I'll keep it. But I've noticed that in the past three, almost four months now that I've almost hit like this, like a mental block where it's like dang I really wish I knew more about what's going on and that's when I start to research through like article journals through um, since I don't have access to USA our old school where we had our article EBSCO and all that stuff I go through the APTA now I'm I'm a member through there and I'm able to look up different orthopedic articles neurological articles that actually assist me through you know getting my patient better because if I'm stuck and I'm like all right let me look up interventions or let me look up more about this pathology and how rehab can be affected I either call Theo or I text like other physical therapists or talk to people around you of course but if you want to do more research yourself it's a it's a good way to look at it um right. yeah I don't know Theo if if what you do if you get stuck afterwards
1: um, again like I, like I said prior like for me like I have I'm lucky to have, like, great mentors, um, you know, and, and where I work, especially, I feel I feel very comfortable, like, speaking to my supervisor, especially when it comes to, uh, like, in my neurologic caseload, um, you know, he's actually one of the professors that teach uh, those neural classes, so, you know, there's, like, he has a lot of knowledge to share and a lot of experience in terms of prognosis, like, if something can it actually get better or is, you know, or is it not? Because with those neural caseloads, sometimes it's not about returning the patient part of a function. It's about, you know, maximum functional potential. Right. So I've been, you know, blessed to have mentors like, um, like him. um, And uh, like you mentioned, like we've, we've shared some, you know, common mentors and I think it's, it's been really helpful speaking with them right after school and just kind of like, okay, like, knowing where you want to go like I want to take this route for me it was fellowship and it's my question to my mentor was okay like what what job should I take what am I looking for in a first job in order to reach my goal um <clears throat> and you know the guidance that you know he gave was invaluable and um and you know and, and again like the mentorship is very important everywhere you go um I think uh, furthermore, uh with when it comes to continuing education, we were trained and like Alex and I were both trained in a certain way, a certain approach to treating, which has worked great for me. Uh, You know, it's, you know, my patients, you know, seem to like it, they're getting better, right? Um, But I think it's also important to branch out a little bit and not just stick to the same thing that you know and just continue with that. Seeing, you know, different ways of thinking um, and that way, you know, you can, combine everything into your treatment and make it your own right make it unique make it you know because if something doesn't work that you've learned right like what about this and let's try that okay that works all right so is that better than my treatment or or you know or worse right like what what is it so it's important to be able to bring in everything and you know and different approaches because to me at the end of the day it doesn't matter it's not as important what I do as long as the patient gets better and the results you know speak for themselves so
0: yeah yeah that's a that's a big thing I I feel like I've seen in a lot of students and I I've talked to a couple students prior and what I've said in the in the past is like keep your mind open like I know our school is very Stanley Paris heavy so it's very specific and then you can get into you know McKenzie method and then you have all of Grimsby and you have all these other methods that uh Colton Bourne and like all this other stuff so it's you're looking at a bunch of philosophies and the best thing to do is like pick and choose from those each and every one of them and you combine them to get your patient better right as in the end we, yeah and
1: we were talking about it earlier that you know a lot of the techniques are between whatever you know philosophy you believe in the techniques that they teach is are very similar um what changes is why you do them um you know like why am I performing this technique why am I doing for example for manual therapy right why am I doing an oscillation here why am I doing a hold why am I doing you know whatever that changes um so and it's important and I for for me I think the most important thing as a physical therapist is to understand why you're doing something mm-hmm. rather than just doing it because someone told you to right like they're like if you have pain you do this it's like okay but like what's it actually doing? Like, why, why am I actually doing this? You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, So, you know, again, like understanding that approach and understanding that the why from different perspectives, you know, I think that's going to make you way better clinician.
0: What's your rationale?
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. What's your rationale? And again, like that, that really, what I think that's what distinguishes like good clinicians from great clinicians, from average clinicians right like being able to you know treat a patient understand why you're doing something and understand not 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 only being able to find what's wrong with that patient you know the tissue specific impairment as we say like what is actually going on what hurts but why does that hurt right like why did it happen you know and like being and if you treat the why and you find what it is and you treat that not only is the patient going to get better but they're going to stay better Right. right so i think I think that's the most important part. That's where the clinical reasoning comes in.
0: Right. And I, I think it's really important, even during my treatments or t- during an evaluation, I'm always saying, hey, like, I, I'm going to do this because I think this is what's going to help you the best and the reason why for it. So so I have some patients who are like, give me all the details. And then I have other patients who are like, just do it and make me feel better.
1: Right. Yeah. And um, personally, I love sitting there and explaining to my patients whether they want to hear it or not. Sometimes I get the blank stares often, don't get me wrong, but like some people actually yeah. want to know, like, why, why, why are they in pain? And like, what am I doing? And why is it helping? Right. And like the one that gets patient buying because they're like, okay, this not only does this guy get me to feel better or improve my function, whatever, but he knows what he's doing, why he's doing things. He's able to teach it and explain it in a way that I can understand, which is also important to them, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't, if I just explain it anatomically, biomechanically, whatever, what's happening, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Right. But if I can put it in words, they can understand like that's that's very significant to them. Right. And, and for me at the goal, my goal at like an in, initial evaluation is for the for not only for me to understand what's going on, but for the patient to know why they hurt. Right. Um,
0: and I, I don't know if at first, like when you first started getting like a full caseload and whatnot, sometimes you don't know what's going on. Sometimes like it's, it's, it happens. Like I know
1: it depends how the patient presents, especially if they're in a lot of pain, right? If they're in a lot of pain, they can't tolerate anything. I'm like, okay, look, like we're just going to do some stuff to just kind of calm everything down.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then we'll reassess another day and that's okay. Like you're not going to be able to, you know, to get to do a full, you know, evaluation. Sometimes I'll just take a little range of motion measurement, do a little movement analysis, whether it's gait, whatever it is. And then Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, like, I got what I need. Let's get you feeling a little bit better. And then we'll kind of assess as we keep going, you know, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with that. If you, if, if someone comes in, they're like, hey, I've had back pain for 30 years and this is how it is. And I know it, I've had PT before. So anything you do is not going to help those patients. I'm not going to lie. They're, they're probably the most, they're, they're going to make you a great clin- clinician because at the end of the day they're going to challenge you and they're going to challenge in the sense that mentally they're going to challenge you and and how you treat them and your approach to treatment is right. what I mean because yeah, the way pain is
1: very different
0: exactly yeah yeah my
1: pain is a different is a different beast and you know and I've actually again getting good results with that as well it just by listening to the patient, treating the, like, more holistic approach, treating the psycho, not treating the psychological aspect, but being aware of it and, you know, um, speaking to them in a way that's, like, doesn't tell me, okay, like, you're crazy, it's more like, I understand, like, you feel this, this is, like, a real thing for you, however, this is how it actually is, and, you know, it's, it's important to be able to, like, get to their level, um, and not talk at them, type thing.
0: Yeah. Um. And it can be sometimes it's just a repetitive movement that they, you know, get stuck in. So you're always, you're always looking at like, Hey, how is, I mean, I don't know for you, Theo, what do you like functionality wise when you do an exam? So let's say after your, after your range of motion, neurovascular assessment um, during like the inspection observation aspect of it, like the first thing I do is looking at them walk in, but after I get all the, nitty-gritty stuff
1: and again i'm gonna give you the 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 best answer we get in pt school right it depends right so um depends what they're coming in for typically if there's like an aggravating motion like oh it hurts when i lift things up and i'm like okay like let me see you lift something up and i put like a pen on the floor so i'm gonna pick it up and they lift it up with the worst mechanics whatever okay it's like all right i've seen enough you know what i mean or you know oh it hurts when i walk all right let's see you walk Mm-hmm. Right, and then I analyze that motion. So whatever it is they complain for, I'm analyzing it now. If they're like, "Oh, it hurts with everything," and you're gonna get that patient that just like, "Oh, it hurts with everything. Everything hurts." I'm like, "Okay, like, I'll narrow it down for you. Let me see you walk, do gait analysis. Have them do a squat assessment. Yep. If they tolerate that, maybe a single leg squat, kind of see you know how 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 strong their hips are. Mm-hmm. If I see any uh, knee over pronation, whatever it is." If it's an upper extremity, I want to see them reach overhead, reach behind back, do a little bit more functional things. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I mean, I love, and I also, before that, I also, I also try to do like a postural assessment, right? So head to toe assessment, like, and some things might be significant. Some things might not be. I think I found good results with grouping things, right? Like if I see a shoulder elevated, might not mean anything. Right. But I also palpate like, okay, let's see, like, why is the shoulder elevated is it upper trap tone no upper trap feels fine so maybe it's their their lumbar spine is side bent to one side and the shoulder now on the contralateral side looks elevated but mm-hmm. it's it's coming from the back you know what i mean so i'm gonna fix that you know what i mean right again i treat what i find you know uh and i take uh i don't just take one piece of the puzzle i look at the the big picture um and then zero in from there
0: yeah I think that's, that's a good way to approach it because like you said, it depends. depends on the patient, um, especially like for any lower extremity, I'm always looking at like double leg squats. I yeah. tend to look at like lunges too or, yeah. or how they walk. and.
1: Yeah, it dep- depends going. on how functional they are. So right. Stands, right. For our older population. Yeah. And that being, that being said, I would love to take, you know, since we're talking about continuing education, I would love to take like a, another, like an advanced gait course, yeah or, you know something like that um movement screening something like with movement screening courses like I think I'm always interested in that because at the end of the day we're movement specialists right so you know yeah that's, I, what, that's what we find that's what we treat you know
0: it's funny you bring that up because I recently was at work and I was looking at different screenings I remember in school we learned the functional movement assessment mm-hmm. so like where it's double leg squats, single leg uh, step over like a certain height and right it was uh, like a
1: rotational one there was like a the, yeah a bird dog whatever
0: yeah, yeah. so all that's so, good yeah those are those are all i mean that's those are all good good uh tools to use i was going to ask you what's your favorite favorite outcome measure and why
1: how <laughs> So I use subjective outcome measures sometimes. I'm not a huge fan of them. I just kind of like to see like how the patient gauges the treatment and how they feel like, um, like their self-perceived disability, as I call it. Um, Then personally, I like uh, functional stuff. Like I like the 10 meter walk test, you know, for my neurologic, um, uh, five times sit to stand. I like, an endurance test six minute, like a six minute walk test. Um, We also do a lot of, uh, so we do like a strength assessment one, a speed, like a gait speed one, uh, an endurance one, and then a fall risk. So we do a 10 meter, a tug, so a timed up and go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I really, I've been enjoying doing uh, with uh, my more advanced patients, like an FGA, a functional gait assessment. And, you know, because it's like, it's so functional, right? Doing stairs. Are you able, do you carry able to do stairs without holding onto railings? Yeah. Um, are you you know how are you with turns? How are you with changing speed? Right, like things like that. It's so functional. So um, I love that one, and it gives me s- like such a better picture than some of these other outcome measures mm-hmm. if they're at that level, right? So um, that's an that's a big if. Um, I never I never. It's very rare that I actually do that on evaluation day. That's usually like a progress note day for me. Uh, I might throw the FGA in there, see how they do, and then score it again at the end and see if they're improved. And for me, I I like that one too, because it really points my treatment, which direction to go, right? So like patient's not good with stairs, guess what we're going to work on, right? Stairs. If patient's not with turning, we're going to work on that, you know? So um, if patient's not good with narrow basis support, we're going to work narrow basis support patient, whatever it is, like. I call it, uh, I make a joke, like I do an FGA and then I do an FG treat, right? So, yeah, <laughs> um, So yeah, I mean, I, I really love that aqua measure, and I, you know, every chance I get, I, and if a patient tolerates it, I use it.
0: Yeah. I was going to say the, the ones that I use the most are probably FGA, modified cat sib. So kind of like standing balance, never based support, sport, eyes open, eyes closed, um, uneven, even surface. And then. Uh six minute walk test is a good one that I use five times sit to stand. I guess like you said, depends on the patient, but those are almost like my favorite ones that I
1: yeah, I have some go-to ones, especially when you know the values and you know what's significant, what's not significant, that's also very helpful. (laughs) So yeah, because there's so Um, many out
0: there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely those are all definitely good ones that I like to use. And like you said, you use them more and more often and then you're like, okay, yeah, like I know they should be within this range, you know, 350 meters or however many feet. That you convert that into or like during the tug tests you're like okay time to get up and go are they using an armchair are they t- getting slow to come up then they have to come up twice because they fell the f- down sitting on the chair again because of the first time they couldn't get up all the way so interesting interesting things like that for uh ceus so like continuing education stuff i know we talked about um Manual therapy certification and all that. Does that transfer over as like a continue continue education unit? Of course,
1: of okay. course. the the continuing education requirements for PT, at least in the state of Florida, are like super minimal. It's like it's it's really like you. That's you should definitely do more than that, you know. And like for me, like I spend one weekend doing one course, I already met the requirement for two years. Like that's that's the bare minimum in my opinion, and I think we should, you know strive to be better than that um Mm -hmm. there's so much knowledge out there you know and like i understand you know some of these courses are expensive you know and i get that but you know we should never stop learning right so you know keep doing these courses all these courses count towards continuing education my company is is great that they do every month no once a month they do um a CU series, so someone comes and presents like a, a CU, whatever it is. Like this week, it was on ca- on cancer related fatigue, super interesting. I see you know a good amount of cancer patients or patients that had cancer at some point, point um, and it was great to like you know familiar. And I wasn't very familiar with you know cancer related fatigue and not still not an expert or anything, but I definitely feel like more familiar with able to have those conversations, you know. Um, so that's also you know fantastic.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's good. Cause like every, like in services basically.
1: Right. And right. those
0: are, those are always good to have, especially when you work in uh, a setting where you get a lot of, you know, outpatient general. So you're getting anything. with Everything. everything. Neuro.
1: Yeah. I think the next one we're going to get is like a pediatric one. Again, I see very rarely, but I see some kids. I think the youngest I've seen is seven, you know? Wow. um. So it's good to know you know
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah that's a that's a big one because i've i've haven't treated anyone i think under 10 i think 10 or 11 was the, mm-hmm. the cutoff that i had and it was just a couple of treatments and they were a swimmer or a dancer or something like that in florida but after that it's just like they they kind of bounce back pretty quick especially since they're young and agile and they're yeah quick to heal Definitely. <laughs> um along the topic of you know having different uh like ceus and manual therapy course do you see yourself having like any leadership or being a leader in the pt community
1: um i think you're more of an expert on that topic than me to be honest uh for me that's something i've thought about um i don't know if it if that's super like priority for me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not like a couple of years, I consider taking some, you know, like a leadership role or leadership, leadership, continuing education for me right now, since I'm I'm just starting out, it's more um, just, you know, improving my skills um, and just treating patient, like getting people better, faster. Right. You know, very into that right now.
0: Yeah, no, I, it's, I am, with uh, like a leadership group right now through work but I think the biggest thing like you said is I just want to get my patients better because I'm seeing it and I know I can get them better and I feel like if I'm not da- getting any continuing education you know a course or taking any continuing education courses that I'm not doing my job as a PT right but at the yeah. end of the day like you're doing the best that you can and and yeah yeah right all right everyone Theo, do you have any last words before we get? Yes.
1: So if anybody has like questions, especially about orthopedic stuff, um, reach out, you know, hit us up. If you have questions about fellowships, how to start, where to go, first job, whatever it is, um, manual therapy certifications, different approaches to treating, whether it's like uh, University of St. Augustine or Grinsby um uh, you know whatever it is McKenzie method you know reach out we can have conversations about that um now if it's any anything other than that neuro stuff you know maybe I can help maybe I can't um uh, again reach out and if I can't help I'll find out
0: yeah absolutely And you guys are more than welcome to reach out on Instagram uh we also have a Facebook I believe uh through the podcast any anyway email whatever you guys want YouTube You name it, just reach out to us, ask us some questions. One of us will answer. If I don't know it, I'll ask Theo. If Theo doesn't know he'll ask me. We'll go back and forth. We'll find out the answer. We'll do it together. Biggest thing here is um, there aren't any dumb questions. Trust me, as a new grad, you ask the right amount of questions.
1: (laughs) Slide slide in those DMs, okay?
0: (laughs) Sounds good, right? All right, guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Physio Minds. Go ahead and leave leave a like, a subscribe, something for us. That way we know you guys are listening. We really appreciate you guys listening. This is our 10th episode. I can't believe we did 10 episodes already, which is pretty impressive. (laughs) It's impressive. Considering how
1: busy you've been, how much we've been slacking on this. But yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is very true. But thank you guys so much. We truly appreciate it.